Welcome into another edition of the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Happy March, everybody. Um, as we get 2021 rolling on, it's going to be a really busy, crazy offseason free agency, the draft, uh, all coming up here in the next few weeks. But you know what? Before we get into all that, I wanted to recap a really busy February that we had. Hope everyone out there listening is safe from the winter storms and, and kind of got through everything okay. Um, my guest this week is Cecil Shorts. Uh, he got through the storm just fine. He, his wife, his seven kids. He was also out and about in the community. He also helped me on a really big initiative uh, for Black History Month internally for the Houston Texans and also for the fans because we had a page up on HoustonTexans.com, a landing page for Black History Month. And I wrote a couple of articles. We had a couple of learning sessions. We had some great guests. And it was really an initiative uh, that Candace Mayberry, who's really involved in community events and with the Houston Texans players and with former players, she really wanted to, uh, she had a vision for this. And she wanted some, you know, some really important guests to kind of come in and, and speak to their fields and areas of expertise to the Houston Texans organization internally. And and uh, we had some Wallpaper Wednesdays for fans to download as well. So it was a great learning experience. Cecil and I worked uh, pretty closely together on that. So I wanted to bring him back after the week was over and sort of download uh, all the information that we learned from the week and, and some of his community events that he was out and about at. And I mean, it was uh, it's a it's a pretty fun interview and it's always great to hear from Cecil. He's currently a coach at Second Baptist School. He's on the football coaching staff. So every day he would log in for our meetings, uh, our lunch sessions with the employees from his office. And I thought that's not, doesn't look like his home. Um, he was actually at his school. He was, he was coaching. And then Friday he took the day off. So we had a chance to sort of catch up and review the week. And it was, a, it's a really great podcast. So um, if you want to hear the highlights of some of our really cool discussions on black history um, in Houston and, and the history of it and, you know, some of the culture, cultural icons as well. We had Bun on, we had Ralph Cooper. Um, you know, we talked about food. We talked about civil rights. Uh, we, we talked about pretty much everything that you could talk about in um, three sessions, three one-hour sessions internally. And I apologize in advance because I use the word powerful a lot, but you know what? So did Cecil. And every time uh, we, we remembered a moment, I said, oh, that was such a powerful moment. And then we talk about another moment. And oh, well, hey, that was a really powerful moment too. But you know what? They were all really powerful. Uh, I, I don't know what other word, uh, how else to better describe it. That's It really just was like a light bulb moment. There were so many of them. So we tried to recap as best we could some of our favorite, favorite moments from uh, the week of where we did all these uh, Black History Month initiatives. It was a week-long event of learning and of fun. It was fun at the same time, too, really informative. So we get into all that with Cecil Schwartz. But first... It is the Xfinity podcast here, and you know you can experience reliably fast Wi-Fi speeds and more in a snap with Xfinity XFi. You get the speed, coverage, control, security you need for the ultimate in-home Wi-Fi experience. This internet is more than just fast. It's Xfinity, proud partner of the Houston Texans, proud partner of the Deep Slam podcast. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Cecil Shorts, former Texans wide receiver, and this week's guest on the Deep Slam podcast presented by Xfinity. It's the Deep Slant 101 presented by Xfinity, and I'm so excited to have my guest this week, Cecil Shorts, former wide receiver for the Houston Texans and in the NFL, and now a Texans legend. Cecil, welcome in. You've been out and about in the community. You and I have worked on some really big projects, but I just want to say, hey, 
it's nice to have you on the podcast this off season. And I see you're at home. So uh, taking some time off today. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, well, good to see you too. I feel like we've seen each other a lot this week, uh-huh. <laughs> almost every day. But um, you know, it's been good. I'm, I'm home, so um, give you a little backstory. I'm doing some PE teaching and some coaching high school football. And today I took the day off because um, me and my wife got a lot of running around to do. And um, I really wanted to get on the call with you on the deep slant. So I think that's pretty cool. But um, yeah, it's a day off at home. Had to get the kids together before I came out here. but yeah everything's good yeah you've got um a a lot of kids you've got seven so i uh, shout out to you and all the parents out there hanging in there during covid with the kids at home and getting them to school and everything you you mentioned you and i talking a lot this week we were part of uh the black history month initiative for the houston texans and that was an internal project that uh we had been selected to be a part of this really cool committee where Candace Mayberry was leading it and she's she's really involved with the Texans Legends program and a lot of community yes. events and she really wanted to have um, a program where we brought in all these really cool guests from all over Houston these experts in their field and talk about black history in Houston and you and I both grew up in the Midwest so you and I were both kind of new to all of this and and we did that this week. And then also the winter storm happened in the middle of it. So it was supposed to happen yeah. a week earlier. The winter storm happened. Um, then I see you out and about in the community, you know, at a food truck event. Uh, so let's start there. Let's start with the winter storm, because I want to ask, if, is everything OK with you and the kids? Mm-hmm. And uh, how did you guys fare through all that? Well, that was crazy. Um, you know, growing up in the Midwest, I don't think I ever experienced or expected to experience that here. In Houston, right? <laughs> I'm thinking we Houston, it's gonna be nice. It's gonna be, you know, you, you get the temperature, it'll drop a little bit January, February, it'll pick back up in March. But that was uh something that we weren't prepared for, to be honest. It was it was random. You heard it coming, I'm like, uh, we'll be all right. This is I'm I think I'm tough because I'm from the Midwest. Like, oh, we'll be fine, it's not gonna be that cold. Monday morning, I woke up, no power. And I'm like, okay, Ooh. it'll cut back on. So we stayed at the house, we had yeah. food, we had everything, so we kind of Made it work on Monday. I'm like, dang, it's really no power today. Like, <laughs> what's going on? It's not happen? coming back, huh? Yeah. <laughs> then uh, we We couldn't watch the news. There's no updates. Our phone wasn't, our phone service wasn't working for whatever the reason. So Tuesday, we made, we had fun with it. We tried our best with the kids just to keep them busy, play little games. Um, but Tuesday morning, we woke up and it was 30 degrees in my house. And I'm like, Mm. I got two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four. I can't have everybody here. It's just not safe. So we no. bundled them up. We got them dressed. We got some breakfast, and I needed gas anyway. So we hopped in the car, and we literally drove for like an hour and a half looking for you gas. You did? Because gas were gas is. I live out in the Manville Prairieland area, okay. and gas stations were packed yes. everywhere, and they were running out of gas. And certain gas pumps weren't working. So we're driving along. It's good. We were together, and we had heat. But mm-hmm. at the same time, the kids are getting restless. And, of course, you know it's like. What's going on? So uh, we're driving around. We finally got gas. We got food. And a friend hit me up like, hey, what are y'all doing? I'm thinking about y'all. I'm like, hey, we're just going to go back to the house and try to figure it out. He's like, no, come over. Because he had everything. He had heat, water, everything. So we were able to spend, oh, great. spend time over there from Tuesday to Friday. And um, I will go back and forth. Had to wrap, wrap the pipes. I'm like, I never had to wrap the pipes, never... wrap the pipes before. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. No, I, gr- I grew up in Indiana. And and I'm telling my friends, I, I they were all freaking out. I'm like, listen, just trickle your water. Nothing will freeze. Yeah. Uh, don't worry about your sprinkler system. Like, you know, it, it'll be fine. We don't, we don't wrap pipes in the Midwest. Things would be wrapped for months. And it would still <laughs> freeze. 
and people cover their plants with the sheets here when it dips below freezing for like maybe two hours in the middle of the night. But uh, yeah, the no water and the no electricity, because my parents are in Indiana and they're showing me like feet of snow. And they say, well, how do you not have water? Because we lost water on Monday. And fortunately, we didn't lose power. But I was definitely thinking of all my friends with small kids because we we had power. So I also invited several of my friends that had small kids that didn't have power, but we had no water. So it was not as nice as your setup, but I figured, hey, you know, well, at least we're all together. The kids are together. Um, I said, you know, if you've got anything in your fridge, like milk for the kids or whatever, I don't know when the stores are going to open, at least bring it and put it in my fridge. People are yeah. just leaving stuff sitting out. Um, yeah. So, so it, it, it worked, but oh boy, my God, it's warming up. Cause when it hit 70 degrees, I was like, it could be a hundred tomorrow. I, I would <laughs> never, ever complain. And this is why I don't live in Indiana anymore because I hated yes. the winters. Yes, the, the same way for us. Like we didn't want to. My dad was sending us pictures, and they got like twelve inches right. last week. One of the day, one of those days, and I'm like, "But they have everything: water, heat. <laughs> they, got, they got it all." So, um, and the one thing about the kids, though, they don't know what's going on. They were just happy to be about. They thought we were spending night at a friend's house. They oh, were nice. just going, so they they had no clue what was going on. They're so resilient and and naive to this type of stuff. So it was more us worrying or whatever's going on, but. We well, you have, right, seven, you have seven kids and they're all really little. So I understand that. I mean, Monday morning, I, I think it was really fun for everyone to go outside and play in the snow. It was. Uh, but it, the, everyone's mood sort of went, uh, took a little nosedive after the power and the water. Like, I think we're going to look back at these snow pictures and think, wow, we were so excited that Monday morning and how, how the tide changed over the course of the week. All right. So you, so you, so everything's fine. You move back home. And then the next week, the Texans are out and about in the community um, because so many people were still without power, without water, had busted pipes or had lost like the Houston Food Bank and kids meals lost their supply of food. And I see you out in the third ward um, with these food trucks helping out the community. What was that like? I'm, I'm sure that felt great to be able to give back like that. Well, first things first, the Houston Texans do an awesome job of finding any way to get in the community, whether it's you know something big like you know, what happened with the winter storm or not. They're consistently always in the community. So that's awesome. But it felt really good because I felt what they felt, right? I understood exactly where they were coming from. It was people there with kids. It was people there, their grand, like, you know, grandparents, and they had no water. They had mm. no food. They had no, still had no electricity. And they would talk to you openly and they hear the stories. Um, it, it was amazing. It was just one grandmother, um, and she said, we have nothing, no water, no food. We lost everything from the storm. And um, she was like, "My, I'm taking care of my grandkids because my daughter passed away three years ago. Oh, so she, she's not even around to be. And I'm like, and her, her kids are older. It was like 12, nine and six. So they were all, you know, they knew their mom. So just to hear stories like that and be able to um, bring some type of joy, some type of happiness, even if it's for a small period of time, pass out food and to pass out waters and at the end we started just giving out cases of water like here let's, let's just make sure they have something because mm -hmm. people didn't have water at all um when you think about it how you how do you flush toilets how do you you know what i mean how do you make yeah. food how, how do you do certain stuff how do you drink so um it felt really good to be out in the community i know it was, it was a bunch of different stops i think about four or five food trucks yeah, they had five food trucks at five different locations and i think they you, overall, it was about 1,200 meals that got passed wow. out that day because they were just going to wow. do it until they ran out. Wow. And all those food trucks, the Texans sponsored the food trucks. And they, I mean, that looked like some good food. I don't know what you all were serving <laughs> at your location, but I was like, I need to hit up some food trucks. It, was, it looked good. Matter of fact, because we ran out of food. So they went to Frenchies and they ordered some Frenchies and Frenchies gave like 50 meals 
to wow. whoever whoever was there. So it was it was really good. I think the food truck we had, I can't remember the name, but it was some type of nacho place. And it was smelling Express. good. Yeah. It was smelling good. I'm like, oh, can I get one? I'm like, no, nah, let me focus. <laughs> like, I don't have to hit on the food. I know, because I, I actually wrote a story about it. It's up on HoustonTexans.com. You were one of like a number of Texans legends because they had yeah. former Texans players at each location, at each of the five locations. Some of them had like multiple players there as well. And so, and, you know, we've got current Texan players that did a lot in the community too, handing out foods and, and food and waters um, to, to those that need it out here in Houston. All right, so then... Winter storm happens and, you know, it sort of ties into community service and giving back to the community because it was our Black History Month initiative, which uh, you and I were really, we were just moderating the sessions. It was like an yeah. hour long during your lunch, virtual session. Um, we brought in these guests and, you know, I think the first day kicked off. I mean, it started off really powerful because we started off with uh, the, the first day's theme was early migration of African-Americans to Houston and the development of churches and neighborhoods. So we had Priscilla T. Graham, who's a local historian and author and photographer, and, and Jacqueline Bostick, who is the great granddaughter of the Reverend Jack Yates. And you got to go with Miss Graham on a tour of Freedmanstown here in Houston and sort of learn about the early freedmen and where they actually settled in Houston. What was that like? Because I saw the video, I saw you going on the tour with her. We actually showed that to the entire company, but what were your impressions when you saw Freedmanstown? How much did you know about it? How much did you learn uh, on that? Well, I didn't know anything about it. So um, my first time even hearing of Freedmanstown was going to the actual place. And um, Priscilla T. Graham is so knowledgeable. She knows so much about um, the area and about the uh, how they, you know, tra not transported, but how they moved to um, that area and, and started their life and started living. Um, they were former slaves and just to see everything they had to go through and how they built their own homes and just the, just the history of things. Um, even the details of the house were so interesting, like um, in the, at, the, at the corner of every block would be the nicest house, right? That's the person that had the most money. So they wanted to show off or, you know, just show the street or whoever's driving by, this is the nicest house on the street, which is really cool. Mm. But on the houses in the front porch or the back porch, there, if you can see my ceiling here, it would be blue. Okay. And I'm like, why is it blue? And it's to keep the wasp away. And I'm like, oh, oh, that makes sense. They think it's the sky or whatever, and it keeps the wasp away. I'm like, why don't we do that now? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so He's about to paint his uh, porch ceiling blue now. That's so cool <laughs> because it's, it's still a lot of the original houses and yes. they preserved yeah. them, right? Yes. So I think um, Mr. Jack Yates' grandson's house we were in, we went to three of three different houses. Mr. Jackie's grandson house we ended up going in. Mm -hmm. um, I think 80% of it they kept from the original home. Wow. So it was, it was pretty cool. And it's, and it's interesting, like some of the wood is really sturdy. Um, just some of the things that they created and they made. And I, I just learned so much. You know, I didn't know a lot of stuff that they were talking about that you know, African-Americans created or were a part of or um, just some of the struggles they went through and um, it, it was just really neat to go in Freedman's Town and understand how they got there and the process and, and just I'm thankful for what they've done, honestly. You know, it's something that you don't see too much of, like preservation of historic landmarks. You know, I think we talked a little bit about gentrification, how now, you know, because when I moved to Houston, downtown and midtown were very different. And it's, there's always this push to let's buy the land and build something new and, you yep. know, really revi revitalize the area. But like, that's the first time that I saw in Houston, something that was 
you know, from the 1860s, 1870s preserved in its natural form, because I feel like everything else in Houston's pretty much shifted over to something newer. Um, and then our, the second land, the second part of the tour that you went on was the Antioch Missionary Baptist Church, which was the yeah. first real brick structure built by African-Americans and owned by African-Americans here in Houston, which that is also very much in its original state, other than a few expansions over the years. But what was that? What was that like visiting that with Miss Jacqueline Bostick? That, that was interesting. Um, I knew, I've heard of the church. It's, it's a big church, but to know that Jack Yates and his friends and family built that from the ground up and that it's basically still in this original state is, is amazing to me. I mean, the original pews were in there. Um, there's a lot of historic stained glass windows. Some of that stuff was um, still there from, from the beginning. So it's, it's amazing um, just what history and what all went into that church and um, just the people that I mean, it's, it's like a staple almost. You know what I mean? Mm. It's a staple of of, of Houston. It stood there through the test of time. And Miss um, Bostic talked about how many businesses and people just wanted them to move to, like you said, gentrification. Just wanted them to put something else there, whether it's a parking lot or a building or whatever. Just re yeah. revitalize that area. But it's it's still the test of time. And um, it, it was pretty cool just to sit to her and learn more about Jackie Yates because I heard about Jackie Yates High School. Mm -hmm. you know, did some really good Where's, things that's there. where george floyd went to high school was Jack george floyd went there so you, you heard about it but to mm -hmm. understand more history coming from his uh is it great granddaughter great granddaughter right mm -hmm. yeah so to hear seven generations in that church which was that's, that's impressive and, and it shows it goes back to really and one thing i think i took from that first day is really embracing and knowing and cherishing your history and being yeah. proud of it right and i don't know if today we all are really proud of our history as we should be. You know what I mean? Let's learn about it. Let's take it in. Let's teach our kids about it so we can pass it along. Like, hey, your great grandfather did this or we own this home, whatever the case may be. That's really important. I think I learned that for the very first day. I mean, I think especially since African-American history is so young because after, yeah. because before slavery ended, there really wasn't anything to preserve. There wasn't really land ownership or businesses or, or anything to say that this was our own. But as soon as you know, desegregation began, you know, after the 1860s, like the first churches and the first houses, the fact that those are still standing, that's so powerful because you knew exactly what, you know, you can't, I mean, you, you, you've learned, you, you obviously never know or understand what those early African-Americans went through. And then all of a sudden they're building houses and they're building churches and they're building the community from the ground up. I, I just thought it was, it was so powerful. We've got those uh, videos up on HoustonTexans.com. All right, so then day two, we switched gears. We had two really fun guests. Um, I didn't know they were going to be as fun as they were, but uh, Harris County Precinct 1 Commissioner Rodney Ellis and then the Houston Urban League President and CEO Judson Robinson, they were talking about the civil rights movement in Houston, and they were really good friends, so they were telling stories, and, and, and you know, to, to hear from two guys that were part of, were around when desegregation in Houston happened, which I had learned over the past month or so that desegregation in Houston was very different from how it happened in Birmingham, Alabama, where yeah. I mean, you see the water hoses and the police and the fire. It, it kind of happened behind closed doors. It happened in a day. There was a lot of TSU student sit-ins. And then yeah. there were some leaders of the African-American community that met with business owners and said, hey, you know, you don't want negative publicity. Let's, uh, let's try to come to an agreement. Let's Let's desegregate. Let's let's try to integrate this city because we've got NASA. We want to get a professional sports team. You know, the only way to make these things happen is to not put that perception out there that Houston's a violent place to be or a violent place to live. So let's do it peacefully. 
Um, and I thought that, I thought that was uh, that was a really fun hour. I mean, what what did you take away from from those two? Well, those two are fun, like you said. They uh, you can tell they're good friends, and they talked often because they were just once you got Commissioner Ellis, you asked him one question, he went ever, and then he, <laughs> he, he probably went through our whole <laughs> syllabus for the hour, like in the first twenty minutes. I was like, okay, well, um, I, I guess I should just let you just lead this because you seem to have a lot. Of, you you have so much knowledge here. Yes, and they were going back and forth. And you you probably remember, and he was talking about his dad, um, Commissioner Ellis was talking about Mr. Robinson's dad. I thought that was really interesting, but the to piggyback what you were saying, how they desegregated and how they, I think they, I think Reverend Lawson called it the three amigos, him and mm-hmm. two other guys, different races, different religions, um, how they came together and said, let's do this behind the scenes. So it was no media involved, similar to what you said in Birmingham, where you've seen the, the dogs and the, and the hoses and everything else. They did a really good job of coming together and being able to unite together. And I think today that still stands. Whenever, whenever we go through a tough time in Houston, we sometimes we always, some, some way we always come together. You know what I mean? No matter what it is, if it's a hurricane, if it's a winter storm, right. it comes together. So it's, it's just, it makes sense. It kind of correlates, okay, they did this back then and it still goes on today. I thought that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, it makes you kind of proud to live in Houston. You're right. I mean, I think after Hurricane Harvey, I just remember we were traveling with the team and, and we got diverted to Dallas because we're coming from a Saints preseason game. And I just remember watching the news and seeing like all these different people in Houston, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, everyone helping each other. And, you know, it, no one really cared what race anyone else was. And, and there were these huge long lines, like at the food bank and all these other places, not to get food, but to volunteer. Like they had so many people that wanted to give back and wanted to volunteer. Like, you know, I, I just thought, that made national that made national news aside yeah. from the storm the the houstonians yeah. and and how everyone people were getting in their boats and saving people out of their houses their pets and their their family members it just so powerful and i think that it kind of came full circle when you learn about how how houston began all right so day three which i mean i i shouldn't say i had a favorite day cecil but i think day three was my favorite day because it was uh i think the first two days were heavy and i felt very <laughs> nervous I was telling you, I was like, I was so nervous doing this, but uh, by day three, I felt like, all right, we have two under our belt. And the third day was, was called for the culture. So it was African-Americans um, and their, you know, uh, the, the, the dent that they made, the mark that they made in an arts, culture, entrepreneurship, music. So we had some really cool guests. We had uh, Texas Radio Hall of Fame broadcaster, Ralph Cooper, who had been covering sports since the late sixties, uh, Bun B, rapper, professor at Rice, you know, entrepreneur himself. And then Chris, Chris Williams, uh, the owner of Lucille's restaurant, which if you haven't been to it, it and it's in the museum district, it's a uh, Candace, Candace Mayberry calls it bougie soul food. And I would agree with her because, um, it's really good. It's a really nice restaurant. And then they serve like some amazing, amazing food. So you have to check it out. And, and they were nice enough to provide lunches and meals for everyone. Um, during this winter storm, I don't know. I, I forget how many meals he said, like in the thousands of meals that they provided yeah. to people that yeah. needed, I want to say 1500. And then they also provided lunches for the Texans employees, just sort of put a bow on, on the black history month initiative. But what, what did you think of day three, just having, being able to interview those three and then all three of them together at the end there? Well, I was just excited to, to interview Bum B and <laughs> me too. Was, same. That, same. That was, that was pretty cool. And it, I mean, it's just, um, so, and to learn more about him, you know, he's not necessarily from Houston, but I believe Port Arthur, if I'm not mistaken, right. but how he cares about Houston and wanted to, he moved here to 
you know, help his career. And it obviously it worked well. But to hear the knowledge that he had outside of music, right? The knowledge he knew about the community, about giving back to the community, about, um, you know, supporting black owned businesses and how music is really helps people get through different things and how they, people are using their platforms. And then Mr. Cooper, man, he, he was probably my favorite, to be honest, just because, you know, we're in sports. But sure. yeah, his knowledge and recognition, like uh, his memory of knowing or remembering so many different eras and so many different moments in Houston sports was amazing to me. Right. He's talking about Earl Campbell playing linebacker in high school. High school. And I'm like, what? <laughs> he saw Kobe like, Bryant as a kid because Kobe Bryant's dad played for the Rockets. For so the Rockets. Like, he was like, My oh yeah, he was this little kid. Like, I mean, he's just been around and he's seen a lot of different players over the years. And this, that I think, so I think talking to him was awesome. And then uh, Chris talking about his initiative, because I believe he was featured on ABC. Uh, the Good Morning ABC, America, Good Morning, right. Good Morning America. Mm -hmm. Good Morning America, excuse me. Um, for his initiative and what they're doing there and how he's, um, you know, he, he got he got in depth about how it's important to support black owned businesses and how it's, it's important to, um, you know, be, be your own boss, be, be a, a business owner. So I, I thought it was cool, different perspectives. And then we talked about it off camera when they got together and all three of them were talking, you were giving a Q&A. It was amazing. That like was they amazing. They could have talked for hours. <laughs> They had so much mutual respect for each other. And Ralph Cooper kept making fun of Bun eating at Lucille's. He's like, well, I know that you've been to Turkey Leg Hut. And I was just like, he's calling Bun be fat? Is he calling Bun? But he was so funny. And I didn't Bun know whether to laugh or not. I'm like, this is always, I'm like, so they got to be friends or. <laughs> they didn't care. They were, and they were, Chris and Bun were so in awe of Ralph Cooper. Like they were they like, were. he needs to be preserved as yeah. a relic of Houston, because the knowledge and like you said, everything he's seen, because obviously um, I don't know as much about Chris Williams, but we know Bun B is a fan of sports, but it seems like Chris was as well. Yeah. Like they just could not, they, when Bun B got on and said, I've already learned something new in this session after hearing Ralph talk, I felt like that's pretty powerful because um, Ralph Cooper has a lot of knowledge and he, no one really, may, maybe no one has downloaded all the information in his brain. I think that would probably take years and years and years to do. But I, I, I thought it was so, I thought each one of those guests brought something so different to the table. Um, yeah. I thought Chris Williams was really powerful. He talked about during COVID how he decided to, you know, he, he was gonna have to furlough a lot of employees and he decided instead to bring them back on and give back to the community and, and donate meals. And he said that he found that investing in the community was Ooh. like putting money back in yourself again. Ooh, like yes. I was like, can we, I was having an Oprah moment, like, hold on. That was powerful. Just rewind that and say that again. <laughs> Put that in the you know, screen. <laughs> that was like, to me, that was such a powerful moment. Like when you yeah. give back to the community, it's really an investment in yourself because he's right. You see all these businesses and corporations giving back to the community and, and they obviously it's about giving back to the community. It's about feeling good. But you know, that, that goodwill that Chris has created with Lucille's 1913 initiative, you asked him about it where he, you know, makes meals and, and gives them out. And whenever there's any, any sort of storm or hurricane or COVID or whatever, Chris Williams is out there, you know, and his workers are, are packing up meals and, 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 and donating them. But Bun B has new music coming out. He sort of dropped that little nugget at the beginning and he I did. filed he it away in my brain because I was like, okay, I got to get to Ralph <laughs> Cooper, but I'm going to come right back to that. So oh, Bun B is working on some music, everybody, which is pretty exciting, I think. It is. And he, he kind of just slid it in there and then oh, kept yeah. it moving. And I'm like, wait a second, did he say? <laughs> he did, but you know what? I, I was like, 
I'm going to have to uh, let me just, I'm old. So I'm forgetful. I was like, let me just file that away. Cause I have got to ask him about that. Or people are going to be so mad that he just said he's got new music coming out. And how did we not follow up on that? He said something like March or April, he's got some stuff in yeah. the works. I think yeah. COVID and lack of tours has really um, slowed things down in the music industry, but he's, he's definitely back in the studio because he's working on some stuff, which I thought was super exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear that, but I think he did a good job bringing it out of him because he wasn't going to touch back on it unless you said something. <laughs> I didn't know it was a seek. I, then later I was like, I should have said if you would like to share it. I just sort of said, what are you working on? <laughs> no, but he, he I was, was like, fine him- with it. He did. He he sort mm-hmm. of dropped that hand. I didn't know he was even still doing music because I feel like he's got so many other things that he's doing for the community and yeah. just you know his political activism um, and everything he he's done. But you know, I've I've been to so many concerts in Houston, Cecil, over the years, and artists always give Bun B a shout out. They always and several Don't times be. he's gotten pulled up on stage, and I just I feel like I've seen him from afar, and to sit down and actually talk to him, he is so deep. And, and he said that, too. He was like, when I do something, because I'm like the big brother, I'm like the mentor, everybody else follows. So when I do something, I use, when I use my platform, everybody else in the city will use their platform. I thought that was big. He understands that he is the OG. He is the he is mm-hmm. the still the big man on campus, and he used the platform accordingly. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's... Uh... Powerful stuff. Hopefully we can do it again. I think we're going to put up some videos on HoustonTexans.com. You might see a, a snippet on it on Texans360. You have to tune in. So we we recorded the whole thing and hopefully you get to see some highlights. And Cecil, it was a lot of fun. Me and you got to do some more um, yes. moderating of sessions because we got to learn and I felt like it was a it was a great week overall. And I think what a nice way to, to end February, which is Black History Month. But I feel like I in all the years I've lived in Houston, I feel like I learned the most in this month, in this week, just from this initiative alone. Yeah, this was a lot of fun and uh, let's do something soon. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. All right, Cecil, always a pleasure. And you know what? You're not a stranger because we see you around. You're still doing stuff in the community. You're still one of our Texans legends. So until next time, Cecil, thanks so much for the time. Take care. Good stuff from Cecil Shorts the third, And you know what? I'm going to try to get some of the guests that we had on for the Black History Month initiative for maybe some off-season podcasts because I think that there was so much more um, to hear from and to talk to them about. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to work on that uh, for my future podcast. And you want to keep listening because we'll also be covering – um, all of our, you know, events happening here on the football side, free agency and um, the draft and, and more. So, you know, we'll get in some football stuff here soon. It's always such a long off season. I know there's so much going on in the football world right now. So hopefully some things get resolved. We can get some really cool um, exclusive interviews for you. And I'll try to keep the podcast rolling as best I can. But in the meantime, you know, I'm always writing for HoustonTexans.com. And we still have uh, Texans All Access every night from 6 to seven for the breaking news uh, of the day of the week and then we've got Texans 360 Saturday nights at 11 on ABC I was just a guest on it last week uh, but Drew does that show he does a great job with it sort of recap the week as well so we've we've got you covered with Houston Texans and you know you can download the mobile app as well so as always glad you're safe out there if you are um, and thank you as always for listening and subscribing and tuning in and that's going to do it for this week's podcast the Deep Slam podcast presented by Xfinity thank Thank you for listening and as always, go Texans.